Hey, okay, so can I start things off this week? No, no, uh, no. This is your second show. Um, I'm getting ready to introduce the show. You can't introduce the show that early in the process. You got to hold back, slow down. You got to crawl before you can walk. You're trying to run and all that already. No. (sighs) Okay, I think I just got (laughs) punked, but all right, all right. Welcome to the Divorce is Not an Option podcast, episode three. We rolling now. We're going to get it going. We're going to try to do it every week, get good getting good feedback, all that. Just trying to say, we just, in the beginning, <laughs> you, you fumble through your See, words. you couldn't even do the intro right. I mean, I was put off by you trying to jump in and take over the intro, so that, okay. that, that kind of messed up my words. I'm relationship coach extraordinaire, Stephen James Dixon. Please welcome my wonderful co-host, Tamara Gillespie. Hey, y'all. How we all doing this week? We are excited to get started recording our third episode. Just an FYI, Tamara, um, when that production budget kicks in, there'll be applause. You know, we can do fake applause. I don't know how that sounds. Yeah, there you go. How did that sound? That sounded pretty good. I was thinking about that earlier, though. Like, we should have, like, laughter come piping in when we have a joke. And, um, you know, like... Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) Like fake laughter? I mean, like, yes. When I say something that's, like, hilarious or mind-blowing, then we could, like, have a, a piped-in ooh from the crowd, you know? A ooh? Yeah, all of that. <laughs> so, so I don't I don't think I've ever heard of a ooh in post-production. Like, ooh, just, just after Tamara say that, just put in a ooh right there. Right, right. Um, I think that would be a great idea. But... <laughs> That's for, that's for the next episode. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, this week on Divorce is Not an Option, we are going to talk about one of your articles um, called How to Save a Marriage in One Year. This article is on stephenjamesdixon.com under the menu tab, Divorce is Not an Option podcast. But first, Stephen, you got anything interesting that happened to you this week in your relationship coaching? Oh, I forgot about that. Hold on. Get my notes out. Um, <laughs> that's not in the You're script. supposed to be prepared. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I have, um, I was working with a couple yesterday and, oh, what I came up with was compromising. So I was working with a couple on how to go about a compromise. And there's, there's really a misnomer that a compromise is a, is arrived at in our first conversation. Right. And so Stephen Wait, has a problem with Tamron. Like, like Stephen has a problem with Tamara, and I'm like, I'm gonna go talk to Tamara about this, and me and Tamara are gonna resolve this in our conversation. Oh, got it. So it sometimes takes a little bit longer than one conversation, especially when a lot more is riding on it. Especially when it's something that's very personal to me or very personal to you. It may take us three or four conversations to arrive at a compromise. Seriously, especially so when it's something a- you don't want to give up on. Exactly. If it could be like a wedding day, for example, or the budget on the on the marriage, or where the kids go to <laughs> college. You know, what kind of house we're going to buy. These are all huge pieces of life changing, and you know, examples of things. And sometimes we don't get it accomplished in one conversation. Okay, that's true. But how do you how do you negotiate what I want versus what you want, especially when you think both of you are right? You you have to be able to. Put yourself in your partner's shoes. Um, 
That's the only way you arrive at a, at a compromise. Like you have to take a time out. What I do when me and my wife have something we're debating, I take a time out and I say to myself, okay, this is how Stephen feels. And I get that clear. Like this right. is how Stephen feels. And then I get down what my best perception is or my idea of, of what she feels and why she would feel that way. So then I can better, con- let me give you an example. You are like, a whole nother level of maturity though. A whole nother level that I, I, I got to bring it down. Because <laughs> like most Jay-Z people said, can't go there. <laughs> like Jay-Z, Jay-Z said, I got to dumb it down for the peoples, right? There you go. And That's so, it. and so when, when, when you're talking about a compromise, for example, I'm LeBron James, right? Mm-hmm. I go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I say to Cleveland Cavaliers, I want $35 million a year, right? Cleveland Cavaliers me say, <laughs> me too, right? Everybody wants <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers say, I don't want to pay you $35 million a year. I want to pay you $25 million a year, right? Right. So LeBron acts like he's insulted, but he probably has some idea because his agent has already done some background research about the cap and what Cleveland could potentially uh, pay him and what everyone else is making. Like, they know what Le- what, what Kobe's making, what Dwayne Wade is making, what Dwight Howard is making. And they, they have some analysis and they have an idea. A good agent will be able to say to LeBron, hey, LeBron, they're going to balk at paying you $35 million a year. So LeBron's prepared for that when he comes into the meeting. You see well, what yeah. I'm saying? And so, so then the next week you meet again, and Cleveland says, "You know what, LeBron, I, I I can't pay you thirty five million, but we'll go up to thirty million. And then LeBron says, "You know what, I I can't take uh less, I can't take twenty five million that you were gonna offer me, but I'll take thirty million. And now we arrive at a compromise. Okay, but that was a very simplified example because when right. you're talking about you know a budget, you know, and regular people house. Um, you know, and I want this and it's something that I think we need a new couch. We really, really need a new couch. Um, but, um, you know, that's not in the budget. So then you're having these discussions about how do you deal with this? And I mean, like our couch is falling apart, but you have two different perspectives. How do you deal with that? That's so not then really you have easy. to put yourself in. You, that's you not like finding a number in the middle. True. And, I, and I'm glad you called me out on that. And what I would say about that is that you have to be able to put yourself in your partner's shoes. I'll give you an example of something a little bit more complicated. Um, at one point, my son was doing, well, he was a lot younger, he's like three, four years old. He was sick all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we took him to the doctor, and the doctor wanted to put my son on steroids. Mm-hmm. And so I got tired of my son coughing and yakking. You know, three years old, he can't really, you know, complain. He just coughing and crying or whatever. Maybe. And I got, and I, I used to sit up with him every night and just sit up with my back against the headboard and just hold him every night. You know what right. I mean? As long as I could until I fell asleep or something like that. And I got tired of doing that. And I got tired of him coughing and yakking. And the doctor that my wife picked said, no, the doctor that my wife cho- selected said mm-hmm. she wanted to put our son on steroids. My wife said, no steroids, right? I feel like And so, that. right, I, a lot of people with her on that. But I'm like, okay, you know, I, I'm trusting the doctor. That's how I am. You know, we could debate that a whole nother day. But right. She picked the doctor. I'm trusting the doctor. But then I looked at my wife and I said, this is going to be an emotional decision for her. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. This is not just, like you said, this is not just numbers or facts or scientific. Right. She's, she's going to have an emotional connection to the long-term effects of potentially something going wrong with steroids, she's not going to embrace our son being able to take steroids. Yeah. So, so how do you use that as, a, or how do you turn that into a skill set of negotiating how you figure out or compromising in a situation when it's not just picking the number in the middle? 
you have to be able to put yourself in your partner's shoes. That's that's the first step. That is the first approach. And and then you have to understand that you don't always arrive at a compromise the first time around, right? Especially when there's a problem, difference of opinion, you have some type of issue or concern. You have to give your partner the ability to chew on it. Like sometimes I know we got a big financial decision. Like me and my wife have these financial summits every year, right? And so I actually set up an agenda. Yeah, we have a financial summit every year, sometimes twice a year, where I, I set forth a plan of what we're going to spend money on for the rest of the year. Like, <laughs> okay. You, you laughing at our maturity? We, 11 years, you know I what mean, I'm saying? I mean, y'all serious with summits and stuff. Yes, yes. And in the summit, it's stuff like, okay, we're going to buy uh, some new trees for the front yard, and we're going to buy a new TV for the living room. You know, I'm talking about purchases range anywhere from $500 to $1,000. We actually sit down and say, these are the 18 Five hundred to a thousand dollar purchases, or whatever we're gonna do for the year, and so what I do in advance of the summit is I send her the agenda, so you, she can kind of review the agenda, so she can chew on it, and so she can look at how she wants to prioritize things as we go. Before I just lay it on top of her and say these are the things we're gonna do for this year. I like that. So y'all like have a whole little annual plan that you do. I mean, y'all run a corporation over there. Right. And and, 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 what, and what I do is I, I pick a nice restaurant that we've never been to before and we make a reservation and we go and talk there at lunchtime during the day for okay. two hours. Okay. Like it's not it's not just at the house on the couch, laying in the bed or whatever. I print out the agenda, we write on it, we uh we negotiate and we actually got plans for the next two or three years. We got some things we're doing next year and a year after that we got braces that we're gonna do it for my son. A year after that we all uh, like like this year we plan two vacations, we plan the cruise, we do all of that kind of stuff in the financial summit. You know uh, what? That kinda goes to the point that you made last week, um, about you know, strategizing for success. Um, We set these five-year and 10-year goals or whatever for our own careers or our own personal game, but nobody I've not heard of that sets like a five-year goal for your marriage. Absolutely. Uh, And every phase of the marriage, like uh, uh, not only the finances, um, I I try to figure out how we are emotionally and how we can get better. Um, Beyond having a financial summit, we also have like a relationship summit where we kind of talk about our marriage on our anniversary, on Valentine's Day, on New Year's Eve, like one of those three days in a year. And sometimes all three or, you know, in the past, it was probably all three and more, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. now that we've advanced and matured, we'll actually sit down and say, hey, these are the things that I didn't like that happened this year. These are the things that I can do better. I always start off with what I can do. That's that, Write that down. Everybody that's listening, get their pen and paper on right now. Always start out with what you can do better. Right. So I make suggestions on the things that I didn't like that happened this year. And when I say the things that I didn't like, I'm not saying things that she did wrong. I'm saying the things that I didn't like. So maybe um, I did something that she didn't like or I did something that she misunderstood or I did something that we need to correct. Mm-hmm. I first do an evaluation of me. And we're going to talk about that, well, too, a little bit later. I was about to say that's a great segue into how to save marriage in one year. So um, you basically put together a, a step by step plan <laughs> on how to save a marriage in one year. And this is like kind of mind blowing because are you saying that any marriage can be saved? It sounds like you was laughing at my step by step plan. I mean, I'm just like, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of crazy out there. So you saying anybody's crazy can be saved in one year. I believe all marriages can be saved. Okay. Number one, all marriages. That, that is my goal. That is my passion. That is my belief. That is my gift that God gave me that I try to share with the entire world. Okay, so how do you do that? 
Step one, right? And I break it down in a three steps because I break it down in three steps because of our time management, basically. Mm-hmm. First step is for the first three months of this year, it is self-evaluation time. The first step, write it down, folks out there, uh, make a mental note, whatever you got to do, come back and listen to it. The first step when you're trying to save your marriage is that you have to, is self-evaluation time. So like, what so, can I do better? What can I do better? Self-evaluation is, is, am I a part of the problem? Right. Mm. So you start, you start general and you, and you, and you branch out and you look at your marriage. I try to teach people to step outside of their marriage. Like you got to do in any problem solving situation. But like that, 75% of people going to say, no, it's all that's them. The problem. Right. Right. Well, let me I'll talk about that too. So, and, and, and you know what? I'm glad you said that because the, the way I talk to people who say when they look, step outside the marriage and they say, I'm not the problem. Then my next question for them is, could you be a better spouse? Hmm. And that stumps everybody. Yeah. It's not a spouse yet. In the eight years I've been doing this, or how many years I've been doing this a lot, the eight years I've been doing this, it's not a spouse yet. I've seen it before. I have seen it before. I did this, 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 and this, and they don't do nothing. So, yes, I'm I'm as good as I can be, and it's all them. No, see, what you said was, I did this, 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 and this. It's not about what you did. It's about if you can be better, Right. And so, yeah, we got a, men are great at doing that. Men are great mm-hmm. at saying, I paid the mortgage, I paid mm-hmm. the car note, I paid the child support, I cut the grass. You know what I'm saying? You list off things that you did. Right. But the question is, can you be better? Because marriage is a given institution. And people think it's a receiving institution. They think I get married and I'm going to get something <laughs> out of here. Can you say that again? For the people in the, <laughs> you know? People, we need a chat room so we can be chatting us at the same time. We're gonna do that in episode three, Sam, 35,000. Or something I think like the that. balcony didn't hear that, right? right. <laughs> not marriage is a giving institution, it is not a receiving institution. And so, what I mean by that is, is that when you get married, you have to know that I'm marrying this person because I add value to their life, right? Mm. I'm marrying this person because I add value to their life. I'm marrying this person, uh, so I'm a man. I, I I looked at my wife and I said, every man she's dated up until this point is not a better man than me for her. Every man that she will potentially meet in the future at a job, at a work event, at church, or whatever, those men will not be better than me for I her. I love I'm that. The, you know I'm what? The best man for her. That just reminded me of a point that you made with me um, at one point, saying, you know, if you don't think you can better the person that you're with. Move out the way so somebody else can. Absolutely. It's, that's what it's about. It's, so and when you're thinking about giving, you're thinking, how can I add value? You don't. You shouldn't want to marry a person because of the way that it's not necessarily how they make you feel. It is how you feel about making them feel good. Like, like, mm. I, like I feel great when my wife is happy. That is the complete opposite of what we are told. Like, exactly. Selfish. We are completely. Yes. Everything is all about what you can get. What you can get. How am I supposed to feel? Me, 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 me. And that's one of the main problems I have when I'm doing relationship coaching is getting people to stop talking about their partner. Mm, right? Yeah. Any, any, anybody that listens to me, anybody that's heard me, anybody that's done relationship coaching with me, they will tell you that I'm talking to the wife. I'm talking to the wife. I'm not talking to the wife about the husband. When I'm talking to the husband, I'm talking to the husband. I'm not talking to the husband about the wife. I don't do that. I'm like, what can you do better? Because my whole... I can't say theology. What can I say? Can I say philosophy? 
Um, methodology. Methodology. I know you're gonna always correct me, right? <laughs> so my whole my whole methodology is that if we can coach our husbands to be better husbands, if we can coach our wives to be better wives, then the marriage is automatically better. I don't have to work on the marriage. I don't really believe in marriage counseling at all. I'm not a counselor, but I don't believe in marriage counseling. I believe in husband coaching and wife coaching. Take responsibility for your own stuff. Be the best spouse that you can be. Okay, amen. So what's the next step? Step number two. So we had three months where you do self-evaluation. Next three months, just purge your anger. Just just get over yourself, boo. Wow. Just homeboy, just chill out, man. Just relax. Just the well, world is not against you. You know, one of the things that you um, have talked about is that marriages 10, 20, 15, you know, 10, 15, 20 years into it, uh, they're fighting over stuff that happened in the first two, three years. So when you talk about purge your anger, how do you get rid of something that you've been holding on to for 10 years? Yeah, you, you have to be able to say to yourself that, number one, the marriage d- divorce rate is over 50 percent. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is very difficult. This is the greatest challenge that you ever have in life. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing premarital coaching with folks, marriage is the greatest challenge you will ever have in life. Mm. Right. Like, and I, and I would even venture to say that it's tougher to even sometimes these diseases. So say, for example, you got cancer, right? right. You have no, you have no way of knowing what's going to happen with the cancer or the treatment or whatever. You have no control over that. Right. Right. Well, when you have a partner and you're disappointed or you hurt or you're frustrated or you feel trapped or, or abused or whatever, that's eating you inside out too. Right. And it's eating you inside out. And then you had to go smile at his family and his <laughs> And your mama, because you don't want your mama in your business. Right. So that stuff eats you too. And so you got to say to yourself, you know what? You got you got to you got to get yourself, sit yourself down, and say, self, look in the mirror. Like I have to get over this thing because some of the anger is about expectations not mm-hmm. being met. There were expectations that you shouldn't have had to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Some of, some of the anger is about just your frustration about learning how marriage works, right? Like, like I remember the first time my wife went through my cell phone. <laughs> I know I'm a lot of brothers going to get mad if you say this. I just, I just remember, I remember the first time she was in my phone, I said, you can't go through my phone. She said, I go through all your stuff if I want to. Well, I didn't really have a response. I needed, I needed, I needed the time out. I needed a lifeline mm-hmm. because I'm mature enough I don't know if that maturity is the right word, but I just knew in my head for some reason that marriage is an institution where we share everything. But, okay, so that's exactly it. Like, people have a completely different definition of what marriage is. Two people in the same marriage can have a completely different definition of what marriage is. And a lot of people, you know, feel like I should still have my time. I should still have my space. You know, like, this is mine, this is yours, and then we meet somewhere in the middle when we feel like it. Right. And I agree with that, too, to some extent that we can share everything. But so when I say we can share everything, that means we share both good and bad. That means that she can look at my phone. She can have my password to my Facebook, to my laptop, to my phone. I don't care because I have nothing to hide. Right. Right. Now, Now, when I'm doing relationship coaching, I'm very careful with that. I don't I don't put that on other people because of how they're raised or what they've seen, their experiences, their observations. It's very difficult for us. I, I advise people to do it, but I don't make it a mandate. But how do you have that level of trust if you don't have that level of openness? I don't know how you get there either. Um, I don't think you can arrive at that level of trust that you need in order to have a successful, happy marriage. 
But some people don't need to be at 100% happy. They just need to get to 80% happy. You see what I'm saying? There you go with your 80%. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, uh... Okay. That, wait, 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 wait. Let me hit that because both of us laughed at that. But 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 what that is is it's just like with love capacity, right? Mm-hmm. I can't dictate what is a good enough love for someone else, right? Mm-hmm. And so I know that Steven needs to be loved at 100%. So if I need to be loved at 100%, then I need to be prepared to give 100%. And my 100% means that everything is open because I want no barriers. I want no traps. I want no, no holes. And I don't want no gaps, nothing like that, because I want my marriage, because I believe it's the most difficult thing that we'll ever do, that right. I need every opportunity for it to be successful. But don't you think, one. just like you're saying, no traps and no barriers, don't you think that um, having that 80% could open up some room for some holes and some traps and some barriers? Yep. You had 80%, you got 20% gap. Right. right. So, so but, I can, but like I said, some people are, like, the example is, um, some people need to be told that they love you every day, right? Like me and my wife could be type of people where every morning I give her a kiss. I love you, honey. She says she loves me. She leaves. Some people don't need to be told that they love each other every day. Some people just give each other a high five, right? And so who am I to tell them? So who, and, and so the example is who am I to tell them, you know what? You guys should tell each other that you love each other every day. Right. Because different couples need different things, whether it's a different amount of sex, whether it's a different amount of money, whether it's a different amount of appreciation, whether it's a a different, you know, just every day. If you don't have sex with your husband twice a week, you just you don't deserve a faithful husband. You've been trying to say that line without laughing for like 10 years. (laughs) You ain't done it yet. The, the the line is I always you always you always you you just set up traps now. (laughs) The line is. If you cannot have sex with your husband twice a week, you don't deserve a faithful husband. That's what I said. Let me just say it for the people again, because they're always like, what? What? Wait, what did he mm-hmm. say? The line is that if you cannot have sex with your husband twice a week, that you do not deserve a faithful husband. Now, it's a million layers to that. Mm-hmm. That's in mm-hmm. Mendon Hill, we hope. You got to purchase the book. I'm that's not talking about. Other, that's a whole nother episode. We might have to just do more on that because <laughs> I, I spit out a lot of stuff at people and, and sometimes it's hard for people to get it or, or grasp it or whatever. But trust and believe I have whole concepts and theories behind all of them that I can discuss. And in that one, the, the short part of that is, is that people were coming to me and said, so what happened was people come to me in relationship coaching and they say my husband cheated on me. And I will say, well, was your husband sexually satisfied? Was he happy sexually in the marriage? Well, no. And I kept getting women. Well, I want to understand from your side, your viewpoint. And, and and I would get women who would say to me, I don't know. And I was like, How oh, you don't know? I, I, that's what I'm shocked by. Like, what do you what do you mean you don't know? You know, well, I don't know. And and I, I would have to keep asking questions and then come up with like a point scale or some kind of graph or chart where I say, you know what? After completing this graph and this PowerPoint layout, your husband is not happy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like and so I had to come up with okay at least twice a week right and if and if you Google it it says three times a week in happy marriage and happily successful marriages the couples have sex three times a week so I want to say average. at least it's average it's, well it's it's average for couples that who who dictated themselves as being happy right? right and so I said at least twice a week that means that we connecting every two three days or whatever we have some intimacy we have some affection we getting getting together with each other and and some women. Was uh, some men? I'm starting to hear more and more men too that ain't putting out. I, I yes. had a, I had a woman tell me about a month ago. 
You need to just tell my husband he need to put out. Oh my gosh, yes. I have had, I've heard that too. And I'm just like, you would do what? How does that work? Yeah, I struggle on, on, on that. But you know what? I had, a, I, and that couple though, the husband said to me, he, he got caught cheating too. He said, it's going to crack you up. Everybody listen closely. He said to me in relationship coaching one day, in my one-on-one, I do a lot of one-on-ones with the husbands. I do a lot of one-on-ones with the wives, like I said, independent of each other. Mm. He said to me that when he was cheating, he can get it up and keep it rock hard for three, four times as long with his mistress as he could with his wife. Oh, wow. That's when that, so, that's when you pipe in that ooh. You see, yeah, you're to pipe in that right, ooh right. So, but that that leads you to believe that his wife was doing or saying something that made him feel less of a man. Exactly, badgering him, emotionally attacking him, right, making him making him close up. Um, he didn't feel safe. He didn't feel he didn't trust her. Um, they just had a very tough emotional wow. relationship. And I've actually his seen interest, that. Right. I, I've seen that too, where some men just felt like, you know what? And, and some men are not just like, you know, we, we ain't young no more, right? We're in our 40s and all that. And, and our emotions become, as we mature, our emotions and what yep. we actually think of a person actually comes into play. Yep. All right. All right. All right. So we've completely gotten off topic. Um, but I want to, I want to kind of um, highlight one thing you said you were saying about um, purging your anger. And, and then we need to move on. But, um, you said that in a marriage, you have to say to yourself, I can have a happy marriage if I can be a happy person. And that really struck me. You'd be surprised how many people are unhappy. Just, right. Just unhappy on their own. Like, just right. life is too much. And then the expectation um, is that their spouse is going to make them happy or supposed to make them happy. Spouse got some kind of magic in their pocket. Right. That they can give them, like, hey, go be happy today. You know, I got one more tomorrow. You know, That's you. crazy. Yeah, and, and and you and it's just it's it's sad. Like I try to when I get to parts like that, I try to slow down a little bit and really just it's it hurts my heart sometimes when I have couples in here or I have a husband in here, a wife in here. Um, I had a husband recently who who he 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 asked me. He said, "How do you know when the person you're with is making you happy or unhappy?" What he said, "How do you know when the person you're with?" Is making you happy or unhappy? I know, but my question would be like, are you happy? If you are, then they making you happy. Or look, I, I don't know. I guess maybe there's other ways to look at that. But if you're not happy, then you're not happy. I had to keep 100. What I did, I'm keeping 100 with, with the audience right now. What I did was I started asking a bunch of questions because I didn't answer that question. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> so, and so I started asking things about, you know, just tell me about your day. Like, how do you guys interact? Um, how do you how do you do you feel like you make her happy first? Remember, I'm always gonna revert back to what you're doing. Are you a part of the problem? Are you a part of the solution? You know, are you being the best husband that mm, you can be? You know what I'm saying? And through that process, he was able to say, okay, you know, maybe it is just me, and maybe mm. it is, you know, me just being um we through that, you know what we figured out too, was he was just one of those personalities where he's kind of introverted to himself. You mm, know? And yeah. so I had to help, I had to help him. To branch out, I know, and what was what was what was unique about him was this was a big dude too, man. He was like you know six four, six five, two seventy, you know, all muscle mass, right. but but his spirit was small. He was one of those big, kind hearted giant, yeah, the gentle giant yep. dude. Yep, he was really just trying to figure out you know how to let his guard down. He had let his guard down and gotten hurt by oh. his wife, 
And so he was trying to figure out, you know, how to rebuild internally. And he was just really questioning everything. Like he was asking me questions like, how do you know if you're still in love? You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you know? Ooh, that's the episode too. Right. Like he was asking me real, I mean, we just been here sitting yeah. here, like just, that's just, some deep stuff. Just talking, you know what I mean? Like for hours and I'm like, okay, he off the clock already. You know what I'm saying? But he yeah. was asking me such real stuff yeah. that, that I, I had to have a conversation with him, you know what I mean? And so, and so, um, but you know what? I just got to, and, and then, so we ran our course with that couple since we talked so much about them. They actually decided to get a divorce, right? Oh, wow. They came back two months later and they ran into each other and said they had been thinking about the things I had been saying to them and they had kind of gotten a part of their spirit. And it kind of gotten, even though in the moment when I told them to purge their anger, they weren't able to do that. Right. But then, but then once they decided they wanted to get a divorce, then they began the the, the natural process of purging their anger, like getting over it, because there's no sense in holding on to it yeah, now, right? That's true. And they actually are looking to work it out. So oh, I got an email from them last week. I need to respond to that email. Okay. All right. All right. So let's get to to the next step. Step three. Step three. Step three is so so you spent your first three months. Um, doing self-evaluation are you a part of the problem next three months purging your anger the last six months what I, this year is what I like to call relearning your spouse right because what happens when you come into marriage we have all these preconceived notions about what we think our spouse is mm-hmm. and, and, and they're being fake anyway I'm being fake she being fake everybody being fake anyway then you get there <laughs> you let your guard down and so you need to relearn this person anyway right, right. And so you start from scratch and you try to observe, right? And you really just take them at face value now, like like who my partner really is. One of the things I did when I was relearning my spouse was I figured out that I spent a lot of time complaining about the things that I did not like about my spouse, Yeah. right? Like take that in. My my married folk out there, I spent a lot of time complaining about the things. So I love... Eight out of ten things about my, about my spouse. I hate two out of ten things about my, about my spouse. But I will spend I will spend eighty percent of my time yeah. mad about the two things I don't yeah. like, and spend twenty percent of my time, you know, thinking about the things that she does well. Yeah. And, well, one and thing we, you said um, once that really kind of hit me um, was that everybody who's married, once you get married, you have a point when you think, "WTF? Who did I just marry?" Absolutely. Um, and, and, and what happens with, with that is that usually comes from that person letting their guard down and mm. saying, okay, and then and then that person I's not only letting their guard down, I, not only I is married now, but I don't give a fuck what you got to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, like, what are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. can't leave me. We legally bound. We'd have bought a house together. We got kids <laughs> together. We got stock together. And, and you know, it just, it just, it just, you, you reach those points. So we can't, we got to stop saying these ups and downs and all that and, and start trying to treat people and teach people. I mean, start trying to teach people that you will have problems and how you go about problem solving in your marriage is crucial. Right. And so what I'm trying to teach people is to have a problem solving technique, self-evaluate, purge your anger. Don't bring that anger to the conversation. Don't bring that anger to, like I, I, I talked to a client earlier today and I, and I said to them that you have to know when you are emotional about an issue that you can't bring up. Yeah. Right. And so you got an issue and you tripping and you are nervous about this conversation because you are thinking about how they're going to respond. When really, what you don't understand is if you approach them in the in good faith, and you and you and you present the issue 
you know, in good faith, and and you don't assume some negative reaction out of them, maybe you have a better chance. That's of important. Just, I mean, just giving your partner the benefit of the doubt. That's just yes. nature. Just giving the benefit of the doubt. Just, right. just. And, 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 and not like trying to attack you. And not trying to attack. Even if you have a problem, you say, "Honey, I didn't understand this." Or, "Babe, um, can you explain this to me?" You know. And and I practice in. And my wife is a firecracker. My wife. Is, <laughs> she, she, you know my wife. Everybody knows. Yep. I talk to my wife many times. She's a firecracker. So I know that when I bring something to my wife, and the, and the funny thing about about our relationship, our marriage is, is that she's a firecracker, but I'm the one that got all the issues. Right. Well, it keeps your so, life. Interesting. So I'm the one that's always complaining. Right. I'm the one that's always complaining because I'm a, a perfectionist. Like, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? She gets tired of hearing all that all the time, right? <laughs> so, so I know when I bring something to my wife that she doesn't like, I know how to say, "Honey, wait a minute. I'm try- I'm, I'm not trying to attack you." Wait, mm-hmm. wait, hey boo, hey boo, hold on, slow down. Maybe I miss said that. I take responsibility. Hey, honey, hold on. Let me let me try to say that differently. What did you hear that I said? You know, how can I how can I say it differently? That is feel- major. That right. Is what did major. you hear? Like I, that's not what I said, but what did you hear? Right. And every time I've said, "What did you hear?" What she heard was totally different from what I tried. To say. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and I'll be like, "Okay, wait a minute. Start over." That's not what I meant. And then I apologize. One of the things about being a great husband that I'll talk to my husbands for a second is that a husband should be should have the ability to apologize first. Like that is a part of our leadership and our maturation, our maturation as a husband mm. is having the ability to say, you know what? I'm not see, see in marriages, we have all these irreconcilable differences. That's mm-hmm. the number one thing on divorce decrees is mm-hmm. irreconcilable differences, which means that the husband's not apologizing and the wife's not apologizing. Right. And what's so crazy is people talk about irreconcilable differences. You gonna have to, well, you gonna have some version of irreconcilable differences with the next person if you don't figure out how to work it out. Yep. Problem solving technique. Right. So check out the article, How to Save a Marriage in a Year. Listening to, hey, everybody, let's end the podcast now. And what I need everyone to do is to please follow us or uh, uh, follow us or subscribe on Spreaker, on iTunes, on Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit that follow button. Hit that subscribe button. Um, share it with friends. Uh, share it on Facebook, Twitter. And we'll keep pumping out good podcasts. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Tamara, any last words? I'm good. See y'all next week.